0: Capital Insights, a podcast offered by the WRA to discuss key advocacy issues that are important to property owners in the real estate industry. My name is Tom Larson, Executive Vice President of the WRA. The guest of today's podcast is Senate Minority Leader Janet Buley, who is here to give her insights on the upcoming legislative session. Minority Leader Buley, thank you for joining us and welcome to today's podcast.
1: Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, it's, it's great to be with the WRA and with my good friends who have such an important role to play uh, in the housing industry.
0: Well, thank you for that. And uh, since you opened the door to uh, housing, the housing industry, uh, for those of you who don't know, Senator Buley is one of the leading advocates in the legislature for housing and real estate issues. I think you've served on the housing committee almost every year you've been in the legislature and is a regular sponsor of WRA Bills. Senator, first of all, thank you for that, uh, but wanted to give you an opportunity to tell our audience a little bit about uh, your background and how it has led you to becoming a leader on housing issues in the legislature.
1: Well, well, thank you. And I'd love to sort of describe that a bit. I was involved with um, uh, philanthropy in Northern Wisconsin for many years that uh, really put me in tune with a wide range of rural communities um, and a few of the medium-sized towns in the North. And through that work, I was really able to understand uh, the complexity of housing and real estate. But Soon after that, I actually took a job with WIDA, um, the W-H-E-D-A of WEDA, and I was a community relations officer. And I, my territory was ironically pretty much what my Senate district is today. And so I would go into the communities and represent all of the services and products that WEDA has, which of course is um, helping acquire loans and mortgages for uh, first-time home buyers and re- people who are refinancing um, small businesses. And then, of course, um, uh, multifamily housing and rental housing and became very experienced in, the, in LIHTC or the Low Income Housing Tax Credit Program. Then when I entered the legislature, I was elected in 2010, the first thing I wanted to do was get on um, the housing committee, and I was able to do that right away. And ever since then, I have been uh, on a committee or involved in some way with housing and real estate. I also, a couple of years ago, was put on the board of uh, WEDA, Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority.
0: I uh, want to just move now to uh, uh, some bills that were pending late last session when when COVID struck and prevented the state Senate from uh, taking up uh, many bills that were scheduled to go to the floor. One of those bills was a WRA bill that would have restored the rights of riparian owners that were taken away in a Supreme Court case decided in 2018. And you were one of the uh, lead Uh, sponsors of that bill and the only Democrat, I might add, and uh, we're very appreciative of of that support, uh, wanted to get your thoughts as to the uh, potential likelihood of that bill uh, passing this upcoming session.
1: Well, I think it has a a good deal of promise. It was a bill that uh, um, a lot of people spend a lot of time on. And the thing about the bill is that it is, it's is—it's a tricky one. It's a weedy one. And the weedy ones um, usually take more time. It takes time to educate the caucuses on what they do and what they don't do. Whenever you deal with um, the rights of people um, pertaining to a water body, it gets very, very emotional and people um, reach conclusions very quickly. But I think in this case, we all did the part that we needed to play to pull it apart and then put, put this complex issue back together again in a way where we could help people um, let, the, let the emotional issues fall away and deal with the actual facts of what it means to be living next to a body of water that sometimes um, changes it, uh, who owns what and what does riparian mean if some body of water suddenly has um, a a legal uh, classification on the ground underneath it. And of course the ground underneath it, no one is supposed to own. I'm doing my usual thing, describing you how a weedy thing is weedy, so, (laughs) but it is, it is, and I think it's got a lot, a lot of, uh, of success. I think that one of the things we're going to have to do as we look at what's going to happen beginning in January is decide um, how we can accomplish a couple of things all at the same time.
0: Well, thank you to you and your staff for doing a lot of uh, hard work on that bill, and uh, it was a very, weedy bill, and you guys spent the time necessary to understand it and explain it to your caucus, so we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the state budget, mm-hmm. and uh, as, as our, our listeners know, the state budget is the top priority every two years and occupies uh, a good chunk of the first year of the, of the two-year session. And uh, this year, there's a lot of challenges, uh, as you mentioned, with COVID-19 and some some, uh, real difficult uh, fiscal issues that the uh, governor and the legislature will have to wrestle with. Uh, One issue that is growing in importance in the real estate industry, like in many other industries, is uh, the availability of broadband. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are hearing it over and over from our members that Uh, broadband availability has surpassed issues like property taxes and uh, schools uh, with respect to um, features that that property owners are looking for when deciding uh, where to purchase a home. And uh, wondering what your uh, prognosis is uh, or your prediction as to uh, whether or not the governor and legislature can, can reach agreement on uh, broadband expansion uh, throughout uh, Wisconsin and in particular, the rural parts of, of the state.
1: Well, I think that uh, everyone agrees that we need to have more broadband. It's, it's a matter of um, what is your tolerance for the percentage of, of areas that will never get it. And for some people it's like, well, if we can do 90% of the states, we're, state, we're doing okay. Others believe no. At, at this day and age, it's got to be you got to cover it all. I mean, unless it's unless it's impossible. If you can get electricity there, we have to be able to get broadband there. I think that starting off, we felt that this was going to be a problem that you could solve by spending money, by uh, giving grants to um, entities that would then be able to work with a provider to subsidize the cost of putting in the infrastructure. And that has gone on to a point, but there will always be those communities where sparsity is an issue and providers simply just don't want them as customers. They, they, it's like, you can't pay me to go there. I'm not gonna make enough money and I don't want them as customers. And so I'm not gonna go there. And what we have to do now is find a couple of, of, of solutions, continue with the broadband grants for those places that we can still get by getting a provider to, to, to want the business and, and the help to get it. But then for areas that there really isn't um, that, that um, incentive, that profit incentive, it doesn't fit the, the business plan, we're gonna have to find um, other providers and in some cases, units of government are trying to find ways to do that. Um, that is something that would probably be benefited by some le- legislation that would clarify a unit of government's ability to have, to own, and operate um, uh, broadband. It can be done in some ways, but not to, it's not easy enough to get it done in a way that we can deploy that quickly. But then the third thing is that there are other technologies. There's white space in the radio bands. There are ways of of, um, expanding upon these uh, hotspots, although even that has limitations. So I think that we're gonna have to continue down all three. But the other thing that we have to do is we have to find another kind of provider. A nonprofit or a co-op model that, or or something that would work with a unit of government, so that they can put the resource in and then, uh, perhaps, eventually someday, uh, sell it to a provider once once the book of business gets to where they want to be.
0: You're absolutely right, Senator. And this is obviously an important issue to your district, to your constituents. And we look forward to uh, working on it with you this upcoming legislative session. So uh, we have run out of time, and we wanted to thank you for participating in in today's podcast. And and most importantly, we wanted to thank you for for being a strong voice on on housing issues over the years. It's a it's a true pleasure to work with you and. Uh, you know, we we are thankful for that.
1: Well, it's always it's it's always a pleasure to have the WRA in my office, and uh, we always find something new and interesting to talk about. And I assure you, when you walk out, I sit in my office and feel smarter. So, thank you for what you teach me.
0: Well, we are looking forward to uh, visiting your office frequently this uh, next uh, legislative session and making each other very smarter. Good. Uh, To our listeners, thank you for tuning in today, and thank you to those of you who are RPAC investors. Your investment in RPAC allows us to support leaders on important housing issues in the legislature, like Senator Bueller. Thank you, and good evening.